be back together. Good morning. It is good to see y'all and ready to worship and praise God. Um, we are back together. Praise God. And um, But we know the church never stops being the church. And that is, that is some of what I was so impressed and thankful for at Village. You kept connecting with each other, studying God's Word, worshiping. Village never stopped meeting. We just stopped meeting here. But now we're back together and we can encourage each other and welcome each other. And so I just wanted to start today by welcoming you to Village Bible Church. Today, we're just going to celebrate a little bit more today. A little bit more music, a little bit more worship, looking at what the Bible has to say about church and worshiping as a church, because this is a day to celebrate because our Lord is good. I know last week on the live stream, I came up here to do announcements and the mic was out. So that was fun. But you guys, you guys went with it. Thank you. Ron's, Ron's asked us as pastors to share a few things that God's been teaching us during this time or pastors God's lit on our heart. And I think back over when this started and where my heart was and where my attitude was, because I started repeating the same phrases and people would ask me how things were going. I'd be like, well, it's all the same. It's boring. I don't know. I wish it would just be over. And all those things ended up just being complaints, like over and over again, I'd be complaining when people would ask me how things are going during quarantine. And there's definitely like a mundane aspect to quarantine or being isolated or being sheltering at home. But uh, what I failed to realize is God doesn't accidentally put us in seasons or places in our lives. He does that on purpose. And you think back to the story of Joseph in Genesis and and it, the story ends with what you intended for evil, God meant for good. And God redeems the story of Joseph and brings him back and saves all these people because of where Joseph was placed. Or you look at 1 Corinthians 7, and, and Paul tells the people in Corinth to, wherever it is that God has called you, let him there remain with God. Because that is an assignment. That is a place in life that you have been assigned to that God has purposefully put you there for a reason. There's an anecdote that a theologian uses. I think it's Spurgeon, but I'm going to misquote it, I'm sure. But he says, uh, somebody asked him once, uh, they said, what would you do if you knew the world was going to end tomorrow? And he said, well, I'd go home and I'd plant an apple tree. And they were like, why would you plant an apple tree if the world's going to end tomorrow? And he's like, well, that's what I was going to do today. And I'm living my life each day as if the world's going to end tomorrow. In that season, just living faithfully present in God's presence. All that to say, the passage that I'm going to go to is Philippians 4. Which, by the way, anytime you ask a pastor to share something short, it it never ends up short. (laughs) Philippians 4, uh, we're going to start in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And I'm going to stop here because I know that you've heard this verse before. And I know you just tuned it out because you've heard it before. You just went, oh, I know that one. I know that section, so I'm not going to pay attention. But pay attention. Paul's in prison. He's writing to the people in Philippi. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. As Christians, we have this identity of a new life found in Christ. That we're no longer of the old self, but we have a reason to rejoice when the world doesn't. And so Paul commands the people in Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. 
But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that season where I was a little annoyed with the mundane, mundaneness of life and, and having to repeat the same things and it being boring, what I was failing to do was rejoice. I think that so many of us can find ourselves in that place in this season that we are failing to rejoice. And that as Christians, we of all people are most to be hopeful. We of all people have most reason to rejoice. That's what this service is. It is a celebration. Being back together, a foretaste of what one day we will experience in eternity when we are back together with saints of old. I look forward to that day. Let's continue in celebration. Let's come back together. Find your seats or your couch or your chair in the gym, whatever is most appropriate. I was just standing in, in the, the corner there in between some of the songs, just listening to you sing. And what a blessing that is to hear God's people raise their voices and sing together. I, I, I love worship team. Worship team, you're doing a great job, but it's not the same in an empty room, right? I mean, I, I can hear them. They're singing great, but to hear 100, 200 people singing is precious and glorious as we lift our voices to God. It's been two and a half months, right, since we've been together, and we have longed to be back. People are longing to to be in church. We see churches opening up. We praise God that we are able to open. But why long for church? I'm just going to be interactive a little bit this morning. Why did you long to be back to church? What was something that you wanted to, to have happen today? Why the longing? Fellowship together, absolutely. Fellowship is a lot harder with just your family on your couch. Yeah. Someone else. Singing together. Um, And again, we can sing on our own. And this is so much what God has been impressing on me about the church. We can do all these things alone. But when we do them together, it is like immensely better. It It is huge to be able to sing together. Why else? Why long to be back together? Abundance of love, yeah. And and really, in many ways, we need each other in the body of Christ. God has designed it, and so we have that option. One more. Why long to be together? Accountability. Accountability. Yeah. You know, I've been meaning to speak to you guys. I haven't seen a lot of you in church recently. (laughs) Not not quite the accountability we're talking about (laughs) But it is good to see you this morning and um, those that are watching to see you. And and as we've longed for these things, it has been an emotional morning to, to get back together and to come back together. And it has been glorious to come back together. But so often, times like this help us appreciate what we have, right? When we go without something, we appreciate it. Some of you are baseball fans. Do you appreciate baseball a little bit more? Yeah, we long for baseball. Not in the same way as longing to be together. This is better. This is better. Um, but um, the Dodgers will come back soon. Um, maybe, maybe stuff w- was out of the grocery store. Maybe when you've gone without ice cream for a while, you long for it a little different. Maybe some of you are longing for just a little bit of alone time. Because family's been around all the time. Um, 
we appreciate things more when they're gone. Toilet paper. It's back. We, we got some from Costco this week. We scored. It was great. Um, but yeah, we notice things that are gone and it makes us appreciate it. During this time, Susie had a procedure in the hospital and we went several days where we were, we had to be separate and you realize just how important that connection is and that time together is. And, and you just want to storm the hospital in that case, but apparently they frown on that and, um, but church is like that. We haven't been able to meet together in person. We've still been the church. We've still been worshiping. We still have been Zooming each other. But that isn't the same because it's just a substitute for a time for what God intended His church to be. And so today, as, as I was thinking through what thoughts I wanted to share, we're going to veer away from First Thessalonians for one week. We'll come back to that next week. But I want to think about Psalm 122 today. And, and a, a verse that I put in the announcement that we were coming back, the very first verse was, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And, and as I thought through that psalm, I thought through the morning and just wanted it to be a time of celebration, of praising God, of coming back together, of reconnecting, but also to be remembering and learning some things we value in the church. The things that were gone, like the fellowship, like the singing together. I can bet that we sing louder this morning, even though we're more spread out. We sing louder this morning because we missed it. And and so we don't want to lose those lessons of what's important about church just because in a few weeks we get back into a normal routine of things. And in Psalm 122, we have a great psalm that reminds us of just a few of those things. It's, it's, It's not going to get every point of why church is important. But it's really key, some of the things he brings out, because we have to understand this section of Psalms is called the Psalm of Ascents, the Psalms of Ascents. And these are songs that they would sing, right? They're worship songs. And in this section, these are songs that families and caravans would sing as they came to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. See, they were spread out all over Israel, and three times a year they were commanded to come and worship in Jerusalem on the, on the three major feasts. Now, in, in reality, they probably didn't come three times a year. It may have been once a year. But as they're coming to Jerusalem, and as they're going up to Jerusalem, and you always went up to Jerusalem because it was on top of a hill, so as they're coming up to Jerusalem, they start to sing these songs to get ready to worship. And maybe they haven't been to the temple in three months. Maybe they haven't been there in two and a half months like us. Or maybe it's been a year and they start to get ready to see God's people. And they start to get ready to worship God. And that's where Psalm 122 fits. It it, it comes in as families were growing up. And I could picture families with adults and kids. And I'm glad the kids are with us today. And, And dad is coming along. He's leading the group. He says, let's sing Psalm 122. Maybe, well, they didn't have the numbers at the time. Let's, let's sing the one that starts, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. And I'm not going to make up a melody and sing because we're all doing well so far. Um, don't want to ruin that. But then they would sing this song as a family to remind themselves of what is valuable about worship. What is valuable about coming together as they prepared to come together. So turn with me to Psalm 122. We're going to read the whole psalm together and then we'll break it into three points because there's three stanzas that that happen there. 
Psalm 122, but I want to read all nine verses at the beginning. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray and ask the the Lord to bless his word. Lord God, as we come to your word, I pray that you would open it up to us, that your Holy Spirit would convict us, encourage us, reveal to us what you want us to learn from your inspired word of God. Lord, I pray that um, you would help us to value your church well because you gave your life for it. You gave your blood for it. And so help us to, to value it the way you do and love the church the way you do. In your name, amen. Verses 1 and 2 of this psalm form the first stanza. And these will will also correspond with our first point when he talks about, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And the first thing that we need to think of when we're valuing the church is we need to get excited about coming together in God's presence with God's people. We need to get excited about coming together in God's presence with God's people. How many of you are excited to come today? Yeah. Yeah, there was an energy coming in that was like, wow, this is cool. Will you be excited next week? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, again, we've missed it, so now we appreciate it more. But that is an excitement we want to keep. And just think of those two verses. I was glad when they said in me, and you picture them at home, and, and Dad saying, okay, it's time. Time to go to Jerusalem. And everyone's like, yes, let's go to Jerusalem. Let's go up and let's worship God. And so there's an excitement there. They're glad. And they say, let us go into the house of the Lord, or literally the house of Yahweh. For them, this represented God's presence. It was the temple of God. And so they were excited and they had a joy that they were about to experience the very presence of God. It was to be a taste of heaven. It was what is offered to us in Christ. We know that God's church now is His people. And His people have been built with living stones and brought together. And and God's presence is with us. God's presence is with us when we gather. But we should always be excited to come into God's presence. When we come together with other believers, all of which form the church, we are coming into the very presence of God. Don't take that lightly. That is something to get excited about like they were. Verse 2, I I love even where verse 2 goes. And this is poetry. So sometimes you have to read it a few times and sort of understand where it's going. But it says, Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And they put an exclamation point on that. And and the idea is, we're finally here. And so he's he's taking the concept of when when they thought about going, and now when they step through the gates of Jerusalem, and they see the temple, And there's this anticipation, there's this excitement. We are here. It it would be like for you kids, if you have a birthday party and your parents have ordered you a bounce house, what's it like when that bounce house arrives? 
It's like, yeah, it's here, and that's just all you want to do all day, right? We're just going to bounce, we're going to skip meals. If we eat a meal, we'll throw up in the corner, but then we'll just keep bouncing. And um, it, it's like it's consuming, and there's an excitement to it. That's the feeling of verse 2. I, my feet are here. I'm here. I'm in the presence of God. I'm standing in your gates. And I get that a little bit when I go to the Sierras. I, I love vacations, but there is nothing like the Eastern Sierras. And, and when we go to the canyon that we camp in and get to the campground, and some of you in the, the young adult group are like, three weeks, we're going. Uh, four weeks, whatever it is. <clears throat> um, there's something that just feels like home. And, and my, my soul and my heart just sort of relaxes because that for me is, is just real close communion with God. That's the way church should be. I heard from one person this morning that as they drove in, they're like, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. And as we enter God's presence, as we get excited about coming, that is the attitude that we see in these first two verses. We get a taste of that in Psalm 84, which we sang this morning. And, and I won't do the whole psalm, but verses 1 through 4 gives the same excitement and anticipation for coming together, for being with God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for himself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Oh, that that's our heart as we come together that we get that excited, that we anticipate coming together just as if we were anticipating coming into the presence of God because we are. We are. We are a living structure. Ephesians 2.22 says, In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so as we gather, we are the church. It's not about the walls. It's not about the roof. We could all be in the gymnasium right now with, with half of our church that's there. We could be in a park somewhere and we are entering God's presence because we are together. The church is a people gathering, not a place. And so don't lose the awe of that. Don't lose the excitement of that. God has created this community through salvation of everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and believes that He died on the cross for our sins and we've repented of our sins and we've asked Him to be Lord of our lives. And at that point, God puts us into the church and and He puts us another rock in the wall that makes His church another stone because God is building His church and He will never stop. You know, part of this is getting excited about coming to the presence of God. But as several of you said, there is an excitement about coming together with God's people. And there should be. It should be a joy. In fact, the very word that's used for church in the New Testament, ecclesia, means an assembly or gathering. It doesn't mean a building. It means an assembly or gathering. And it was used of all kinds of assemblies. And then it became known as this is the assembly of believers. And so from the start, the idea of church was the idea of community. A group of believers coming and practicing the presence of God. That is why it's exciting to be here today. That joy is why it's exciting to be here today. So I encourage you, remember the joy today. 
Remember the anticipation. Remember the excitement and don't lose it next week or the week after that or the week after that. Now we may come and say, well, what if I don't get real excited about coming to church next week? What if I've had a hard week? What if I I don't feel a lot of joy? And at that point, we've got to realize that joy of coming together comes from a heart for God. And the first step is to, to ask God, is there anything in my life that's getting in the way of my walk with you? Is there anything in my life that needs confessing? Because guys, God forgives sins. And He wipes them clean and we just have to come and confess and then our hearts are right. You know, sometimes Satan will use all kinds of other things to steal our joy for coming together. Maybe it's an unresolved dispute because maybe this morning, since the seating is different, someone's in your chair. And so next week you're like, you're going to stew on that all week? And the next week you're like, I don't even know if I want to go. So-and-so's going to be there. Now, okay, that's a joke because no one here would ever do that. Right? But we let silly little petty things get in the way of our anticipation for being in the very presence of God with the believers of God. We, are, we, we let silly disputes get in the way of one of the most holy moments we can have to say, I am with God's people in God's presence and I'm worshiping Him. Oh, come on. We sacrifice eternal things for petty little things so many times. Don't let unresolved disputes get in the way. In fact, the Bible says if you know your brother has something against you, go take care of it now so you can worship. Don't let it go to bitterness. Sometimes we lose our joy of coming to church because they didn't do things my way. Yeah, the order of service was a little different this morning. Please still come next week. We can't let those things get in the way of what the church is. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, and it's the excitement of a child. And that should be the joy that brings us together as God's people. The next stanza, three through five, in your notes, I've titled, We Come to Give Thanks and Praise to God Together as One. And the two aspects of giving thanks and praise to God is our motivation. It's our purpose for coming. But together as one, the unity of the saints is also part of why we come together. Verse 3, Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. There's all kinds of ideas of what does that mean. Again, it's poetry, and poetry can be challenging. And, And some have said, well, maybe it's just that it's built very close together. And if you've been to Jerusalem with us, yeah, you're just right next to each other, and shops are next to each other, and houses. Um... But probably this is more dealing with unity because the whole section brings up the idea of unity several times. In fact, the very next phrase, to which the tribes go up. And what the psalmist David here is describing is the situation where there's 12 different tribes and they're all very different, but they come to Jerusalem and they're bound as one and there's a unity there. The tribes of the Lord is decreed for Israel to give thanks for the name of the Lord. And so as I mentioned, it was decreed that they come up three times a year for different feasts, Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Booths. And they they were told to come. They didn't always, like I said, but it was to be a priority to come into the house of the Lord. And that same priority should be for us 
a verse I've heard a lot in the last two and a half months is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and works. There's the unity. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so just as it was commanded for them to go worship, it is commanded for us to come together and worship in unity of the saints. Now, now that verse, that, that verse is actually very specific to if the church is meeting and you intentionally neglect to go. Some have said, well, we've been violating that verse for two and a half months. We haven't been. We, and we have other examples in Scripture that, that understand that for a time there may be a reason not to meet. But what this is specifically dealing with is when the church is actively meeting and we just don't have time for it. And we just neglect to go. That's the situation that this verse is talking about. Because we're to come and give thanks to God together and it's commanded. The purpose you see in verse 4 there, to give thanks, or sometimes that's translated praise to the name of the Lord. The idea here is there's a focus to coming. We aren't coming here, even though God has chosen His church to bless us and to, to, that we benefit each other with community and, and love and singing together. Ultimately, the reason you're here is to praise God. That is the ultimate reason why we're here, to give thanks to God. That supersedes all other benefits we have from coming together. We don't want to be Village Social Club. We want to be Village Bible Church that focuses on God's Word and worshiping and praising Him. And that's right there in the psalm. Their purpose for coming is to give thanks to the name of the Lord. We did that together. We sang. We gave thanks But in studying God's Word, we also give praise to Him and honor to Him. This is where we talk about the worship at Village. It isn't about us. It isn't about you. It isn't about me. The question when we leave shouldn't be, you know, did I like today's service? Did I get a lot out of it? The question should be, was God pleased with the worship of His saints today? If God is pleased, what more could we want? reminds us of that. It's decreed to Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. That was especially true, I think, historically in in what they were going through because pagan worship, I don't know if you've thought about pagan worship, it was always designed for what you get. Okay, You worship this deity so your crops would do well. You worship this deity and sacrifice to them so you could have fertility and have children. You worship this deity and and everything was an aspect of I do this so I can get... Village, we worship God because He is worthy. That's enough. And that's why we're here. We do it together, as these verses say. All the tribes are to go up. This was a unifying time of different families and different people coming together and singing in praise to God Almighty. Oh, what a joyous sound that was for them. Oh, what a joyous sound it was for us this morning. Ephesians 5.19 says this is part of the church. We're to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. doesn't mean we can't have a conversation, but we should be singing together as well. That should be part of how we come together. And it's why even, even with a recommendation of churches shouldn't sing, we said we're going to sing. Well, social distance, but we're going to sing. Because that is essential to the gathering of the saints 
and what God wants from His church. The unity here is different tribes and, and, and different people coming together. This is also why I love a variety of styles in worship. I, I love just the idea that you all have different tastes and you all have different things that you like. And, and this is an aspect of putting others before ourselves as we take those styles and mix them together. And, and we had older songs this morning. We had newer songs. We had hymns and we had worship songs, praise songs. There was just a, a variety of all kinds of different things. And that reminds us that every person here is a child of God. And we honor each other that way. And we lift each other up in that way. As was mentioned in the service, we might as well get used to it now because for all eternity, we're going to be worshiping together. For all eternity around the throne, we're going to be singing together. So get used to each other's voices. Get used to each other's songs we like because that's our future. And it is going to be glorious. It's interesting that verse 5 is included in this section. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. And when I first read through the psalm, I'm like, okay, that's an odd verse in the middle of this this one. What does that have to do with anything? As I studied it, the thrones of David, this, this was the official capacity of the city, but the thrones of judgment had to do with justice. It had to do with unity in very real ways because if there is not justice, if people are treated differently because, oh, you're from the tribe of Benjamin or you're from the tribe of Dan or whatever it is, if people are treated differently, there is no unity and God is is saddened and displeased in our worship. And so right here in the middle of unifying together for worship, it says there will be justice and unity values justice. And my goal this morning isn't to make a a whole social statement, but to know that we as God's church must value justice because we are all at the same footing at the foot of the cross. And what this means is everyone that walks through those doors has the same ability to worship. Everyone is treated the same. Everyone is, is treated as an image bearer of God. And nothing can get in the way of that. And I am saddened at what has happened this week. I am angry at what has happened this week because justice was violated. And as believers, we value justice as part of worshiping God and unifying and coming together. Unless we seek to include everyone that comes through that door, we are not worshiping. And that should be a sobering thought. Because that might be a whole lot of different reasons. That could be um, financial standing. That could be skin color. That could be where you live. If you live in, in you know, Anna Slime or Garbage Grove. Um, <laughs> sorry, my wife was from one and I was from the other. And so, you know, we... Um, <laughs> And I don't want to make light of the issue of justice because it is profoundly important that the church stand up and speak truth to this issue. It is part of giving thanks and praise to God together as one in this point. We seek to be salt and light. A verse, and I posted this, uh, some of you saw it on my feed on Facebook, 
a verse that has been meaningful to me that incorporates a lot of these, actually several of these things. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, oh man, what is good. And I love this verse. It's like, okay, God's told you what he wants. I'm like, yes, sign me up. Good. What does God want? And what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to love kindness, or to love mercy, some translations say, and to walk humbly with your God. Oh, that that defines us at Village. God said, these are what I want you to do. So let's do them. We can do those things. We come together and our ultimate goal is to praise God, to worship Him. And like we talked about last week, we do that by being unified, by coming together and loving each other well, and by being His church. And so point number one was we anticipate with joy coming together. Point number two is we, give th- we come to give thanks and praise to God together as one because He is our goal. And finally, point number three, the last stanza, as we come together, we're to pray for the church. Pray for the church and minister to those in it. Pray for the church and minister to those in it. Verses 6 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And we see three times the word within, okay? And, and he's speaking of, yes, Jerusalem here, but Jerusalem represented where the temple was, where they were worshiping. And so we can take some of these principles and apply them to the church, pray for peace within the church. Pray for, for peace with those that love Jesus. Pray that their lives will be secure. Pray that this will be a place where we can feel free to serve and praise God. And so you see that the beginning of 6 is a statement, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The rest of 6 and 7 is the content of that prayer, that they be secure, peace within your walls, security within your towers. So I, I ask you, throughout the week, can you put village on your prayer list? Can you, can you put the work at village on your prayer list? the leaders of village, everyone else that you see in the room? And can we pray that God would be at work here and that we would do nothing that hinders the gospel and we would find every way to advance the gospel we can? As we pray for God's church, we will see the Holy Spirit move in profound ways. I am convinced of it. If we ignore prayer, we ignore activating the power of God here. And I'm not talking some mystical if you pray the right things, but God wants his people to pray. He's instructed his people to pray. And if we do, he answers prayer. And so pray for village. Pray for the church. It goes on to say, for my brothers and companions' sake and brothers and sisters in Christ, those around, I will say, peace be with you. And and this talks about praying for each other. Part of your prayer list shouldn't just be village. It should be everyone that goes to village. Everyone that you see on Sunday. You know, a great way to put this into practice, something we do as an elder board, is to take the church directory and, and just start praying through it. We, we meet once a month for prayer, and so we take a twelfth of the congregation and we pray for you by name and, and, and trying to find out 
what prayer requests they are. We pray for you every month. A twelfth of the congregation, we get through the whole congregation in a year. What if we all did that? What if we started saying, okay, today I'm going to pray through the A's. I'm going to pray through the B's. The Q's is a light day. But um, (laughs) what if we prayed for each other? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for your brothers and sisters and companions that God will be at work in their life. Pray that they will live peaceful lives that honor God. We're learning about that in 1 Thessalonians. It's interesting because this idea of peace in Jerusalem comes back when Jesus comes into the the temple area uh, after the the triumphal entry. And we know in the triumphal entry, people are laying down palm branches and saying, Hosanna, and they're praising God. And some wanted Jesus to stop people praising Him and said, if my people don't, or if these people don't, even the rocks will cry out. And in verse 41 and 42... Jesus has just come in and been praised. And so we have the concept of worship and worship outside the temple, but he comes into the temple and there's no worship of the Messiah. In fact, he sees the worship of money and he sees the worship of commerce. And in 41 and 42 of of John 19, we read, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus longed for peace in Jerusalem, in his temple, a temple that should have been a place of worship. And and the very next verses that, that if you go on and read are Jesus cleanses the temple and he overturns the table and he says this was supposed to be a place of prayer for the Gentiles. This is a place of worship and he clears it out. Because he's tying worship to praying and, and for, for Jerusalem and for peace in Jerusalem. And if we let things hinder our worship, we will let things hinder our peace with each other. We will let things hinder our peace with God. And so part of coming back together and valuing the church is to pray for the church. Pray and minister to those in it. Verse 9, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God. Again, purpose is, is for Jesus Christ. It's, it's for God, His house, what He's built. That is why we do this. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. I think he goes beyond praying here and says, okay, pray for each other, but now go do good for each other. Go do it. Don't just say, yeah, I'll pray for you. But actually try to do good for each other. Continue to minister to each other because in doing so, we glorify God. This is to be a place of ministry, of real encouragement, of refreshing as we come together. Galatians 6.10 even says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So village, out of Psalm 122, a psalm that they used to look forward and to get their hearts ready to worship, to prepare to worship, which is a whole other great concept of these songs, that we prepare ourselves before we get here to worship. We see aspects that we should be anticipating coming together with joy. We should be excited about coming together. 
We should be looking to sing and to worship and to praise God, and that should be our primary focus. And we do that by being unified as believers. And finally, we should be praying for God's church. There's more. But now Psalms 122, those three things are pretty key. Those three things are pretty important. We are here for Christ and for the gospel. I love that quote. It was an early Christian slogan. Help them get through difficult times. But we are here for Christ and the gospel. And when we understand that, we will value the church. I'd like to invite worship team back up and sing a song together at the end. We need to, to worship together. And as they're coming up, let me just read Acts 2, a description of the early church, which I think is so appropriate and, and was the feeling that I had as we came back together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. May we value God's church. May we continue to be God's church. And now let's worship as God's church. Will you stand with us, please? We praise you. We praise you with our voices. We praise you with our presence. We praise you by opening your word and honoring it and studying it. But Lord, we praise you because you are worthy. Lord, I pray that our our voices were pleasing to your ears today. That our hearts were a sweet aroma of living sacrifices to you. Lord, thank you for your church that we can come together. May we unify together to give you glory and praise. In your name, amen.